What was I going to say? So, far be it from me to begin this episode with a quote from Winston Churchill. <laughs> oh, you and you just always gone on about Winston Churchill. I love Winston Churchill. Yeah, but it's yeah. possibly the, the greatest uh, mass murderer yeah, that, 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 one. that Britain has ever produced, yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a long list. Yeah. But, um, you know, there's this uh, quote uh, from him about, uh, he's actually sort of paraphrasing somebody else where he says, democracy is the worst form of government apart from all the other ones. And I was thinking about that because of the fact of the American election coming up and as we're recording this today, on Friday the 30th, yeah. I guess. And, um, it, it, and it, when you're listening to it, yeah, yeah, you who are listening to it are probably listening to it on election day itself. I heard this amazing statistic actually that 75 million people have already voted and of those 75 million, one in four did not vote in 2016, yeah, wow. which is kind of gives you an idea of like how massive the mm. the turnout is anyway. <coughs> anyway, it's kind of just because uh, I'm obviously thinking about this because I, I live there and I, I kind of love the place and I've got friends there. But I was also, um, I've been reading this book called America is in the Heart, which is a biography, an autobiography by a guy called Carlos Balosan, who was a Filipino guy who, um, this book sort of details his childhood in the Philippines and then going to America mm -hmm. in the 30s and going up and down the West Coast, <coughs> working in various laboring jobs and whatever you can find. And it's basically this um, series of accounts of uh, discrimination and violence that he and his fellow Filipinos suffered at the hands of white America mm -hmm. and at the end he still has this faith in America at the end of it at the end of this kind of account of all these yeah. things you know and it's it's pretty amazing to me and it, it just struck me that the title itself is America is in the heart mm. and I thought about that in the context of America itself, I thought about it in the context of Australia, I thought about it in the context of Ireland and this idea that these um, struggles that a country, quote, has to be its best self. And yet this, this, there's something about that, that title that just has always well, stayed like the, with me. It's the lived a, experience of anywhere is so different than what you, what, how, how you consume it from an external perspective mm -hmm. so like america being in america is very different than watching what you get what you consume via the internet or via tv yeah and the same as ireland you know what i mean like last week's episode like talking about what goes on in Drogheda, like that's not indicative of the ireland which you you see from australia yeah no it's it's very it's interesting you get another look and that's why i can definitely understand why this guy would have the hope it, it's still the, there. the hope because they're stayed it's still the same country through it's just, all that we're living know? in a different way of i suppose it being how we how we how we think about it has changed probably fundamentally not a lot has changed on the ground even though it was shit for them well it's it's so there's still is hope yeah I, like and 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 the difference between hope and optimism as well like the hope is different than optimism and I, I was reading he was somebody else who was, we moved who past was talking hope. about <laughs> don't say about hope that's, <laughs> that's an old tagline <laughs> um, but then then the other thing was like uh, 
I mean, this is just a bit of a scatter shot of things related to Americana, but I read this interview with Don McLean, um, uh, the singer songwriter, American Pie, and Vincent, and name another um, one, and a, and a great, uh, I, 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 quite a good version of the Mountains of Morn from one of his albums, really? which you maybe not familiar with, I'm which not. is actually very. I've only got one of his albums. It's actually it's, rather lovely. It's his Christmas album, right? Well, he he's um he's a sour sour grumpy man and he put me immediately in mind of the great Irish poet who you were chatting about last week Paddy Kavanagh who was another very sour unhappy tortured man who in turn put me in mind of John Martin the great Scottish blues guitarist who was also a terribly (laughs) tortured man who put me in mind of a guy I used to work with who was an arsehole but occasionally, I'd be hanging out with him, and I could see the clouds would clear, and he, and he would be quite nice for a minute and a half or two minutes, and then the clouds <laughs> would come back over, and he'd become this kind of sneering arsehole that, yeah, that yeah. he always was. So all of this got me thinking about being trapped. Like I had this image of this guy who I used to work with, and I thought when that happened a few times, I was like suddenly I realized that part of his burden was that I think he knew he was an arsehole and he couldn't help it he was trapped in himself you know he was trapped in himself he had enough self-awareness to occasionally go I'm an arsehole and then but that was as much as he could do was he had a moment and then and so his torture was that he knew it he knew he was kind of doomed right so all sorts of stuff comes in there, you know, like epic tragedy and John Martin and a guy who toured with John Martin, actually, John Smith, who who described him as being very tortured. But he described him in such a compassionate way that I'd not heard before. That, that, that also made me kind of realize, oh, part of the torture of a creative personality like him is not just about the damage he inflicts on other people, but the damage he inflicts on himself. Mm-hmm. Which brings me back around to the American election. And hope springs eternal. Yeah, America is in the heart. And so, you know. It's, Fingies and toes crossed. It's, yeah. So, today's episode. For listeners who aren't familiar with um, <laughs> our recording process, when we've been doing these um remote recordings myself and Darren will occasionally text one another um, while one of the tunes is going on just and to that's say, not to be everything... rude either because when no. we're sitting next to each other in a room we, we'll look at each other and we'll tap each other to kind of give each other signals as part of what we do and how we do we need to communicate between us to make sure we, we flow so yes we text but we're not <laughs> to anyone that's been on the show please yeah. don't take that as yeah, a yeah, rude no, no absolutely not but um, it's mainly just like um, you know something like uh, are, are you ready to go or if there's any last minute things yeah. so during uh, the first set uh, played by today's guest uh, Kathleen Nagawan Darren and me both texted each other simultaneously and it was basically just emoticons <laughs> and exclamation marks because the playing was incredible the so energy great. was just like oh like I mean, and you'd be familiar with this if you who listen to this podcast. You know, there's just there's there's moments where it, it's like 
the, the music is the energy in the music is just reaching out and mm-hmm. grabbing you mm-hmm. and that's what you're about to hear today Kathleen is an amazing musician she's a phenomenal musician and she's also a great dancer and we'll talk a bit about her experiences as a dancer and her experiences of refining her own sensibility as a musician and deciding to uh, record her own vision of her of her music which is really awesome so it's she's also chance. got us into a start of dancing which i'd never heard of until this episode battering as a is, is the name it was called in, in east clay um i'll put plenty of show notes and links sorry i'll put plenty of links in the show notes so you can go down the same rabbit hole that i went down it was a bit of a an epiphany of ah i get how this dancing that had been railed against to try and make it a little bit more safe in the catholic church kind of was like how the, how i think i saw what the catholic church was afraid of it's kind of sexy right so this is interesting so if you want to check back go back and listen to i think tola custy's episode the intro the first part of tola custy's episode there's a bit of chat about the role of the catholic church in suppressing parts of irish culture this being one of them uh, mm-hmm. the house, so house dance being banned yeah. and being, being essentially no more house dances which were the entertainment particularly for the start of dancing and then they had to be in um in church halls which kind of in change the music because music need to be played louder there was lots of other things which kind of fascinated myself and Dom when that first came to us like wow that's a real that's a huge impact it had but it never i never understood why and i think someone had once explained to me that was about was a money thing and that really didn't wholly sit with me and I think, I don't know, once I saw this one particular video, which Kathleen actually mentions in this episode, I watched that and I went, oh, I can kind of see there's something going on here. This is a bit frisky, a bit, there's a, there's a different energy to it than any dancing I'd seen before. And I was kind of contextualizing it in the time it was happening. And I was thinking, this would have been a bit raunchy, possibly. Like, I, I, I thought it was exciting. <laughs> there was an energy to it that I hadn't seen before. Brilliant. So yeah. yes, show notes for anyone that wants to go down the rabbit hole. Yeah, like it's a, um, those little video clips are uh, not to be missed. It's, it's really brilliant. So shall we crack on? Let's get in. All right, here is Kathleen Nagaran. Thank you. 
Wow. Right, I'm going to introduce you, but wow, I just need to get that off my chest. Holy Oh my shit. God, that was incredible. <laughs> I, just, I love playing slip jigs. They're so happy and repetitive and easy. <laughs> and especially first thing in the morning, yeah, it's morning time here. You need, to, you need just something to, not that I will be playing anything. I generally don't play complicated things. I like to keep it um, nice and accessible. <laughs> I love, well, this I is love. the intro. I'm not going back to record. We're just this is Kathleen the Gown. Thank you so much for being on the Bloody Pilgrims podcast. What a what an intro! Thanks for what a start. Thanks for having me. And <laughs> hello all the way down there in Melbourne from Guidor to Melbourne. <laughs> all the way. So look, I have a question about that. The, the, those set of changes. Said they're slip jigs. Now, from researching you and straight away listening, so syncopation seems to be a big thing that I'm hearing, right? And is there slip jig? Does that have an inbuilt syncopation to it? Because that was rocking. Uh, I suppose it does. I, I like, I went to college in Cork and I studied music and uh, I had an absolute ball, but I feel like I got away with murder because when we start talking about anything too music technical or music theory, I just kind of, um, you know, reverse into the corner because I don't feel like I can really start talking about music theory. But when we when we go when when we're playing slip jigs, I love to kind of and and most tunes actually. I I love kind of pushing the offbeat. Um, so mm-hmm. like I love I I dance um step dancing and set dancing, and I just love rhythm and pushing and pulling the rhythm and especially if you're playing with someone else that you're able to give and take and push and pull with that person um so I suppose you have to be like I've just picked up through um the dancing and listening to good dancers and listening to good accompanists a little bit of syncopation and pushing on the that offbeat like you know you're like in slip jigs like da, 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 but then on the offbeat like you're pushing the da, 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 you're pushing that extra yeah. the extra beat as well a little bit so it's, it's almost impossible to listen to and not dance along with it <laughs> well thank you, you know, I, but it is like it just it, it really just rocks you thanks I, I well I grew up with dancing all around me like my I, I I did you know step dancing and my mom's all my mom's side of the family are set dancers so um that's that real rhythmical thing footwork that you do with your feet in a set as you're moving around like her family are all from West Clare and they do that style of set dancing so definitely the two go hand in hand for me definitely one influences the other the music and the dancing and it's just anytime there was music at home there was someone dancing as well either a half set or or a step around the kitchen and it, it, the two are just completely interlinked in my mind and in my head so thank you for that because dad would always say my dad plays the fiddle and he always said he always says you to try and put the music under the dancer's feet so that you try and make them feel like dancing <laughs> <laughs> so that's I have so many questions for you about all this because you've really opened my eyes to a lot of things just in, when we had a bit of a pre-interview and like so we'll, we're going to get into all that what I don't want to lose is do, do you know what those tunes were oh yeah they were Nikana Von Vaughn they're actually three songs um <clears throat> there's a lot of little jig jig songs in 
the Irish language and the tradition. So the first one is Nicanavon Vana, which is the fair canavans. And they're just little ditty repetitive songs that you'd learn as kids in school. The second one is Ban Fadine, which is Pauline's woman, Pauline's wife. And the last one is Nad Nalachan or the Fox Hunter's Jig. It's the third one there is played as part of the Fox Hunter's suite, the that descriptive piece. So three three song jigs. All right. So you you said your your dad's a fiddle player. So you 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 obviously come from a very musical family, then, yeah. Well, dad plays the fiddle, and he he um yeah he's just like he he wasn't a he isn't a professional fiddle player or anything. He had his job for the Department of Agriculture in Dublin, but um you know music is definitely his passion and the passion of the house because my mom's family, as I said, were into set dancing. So the, the, they actually met my parents met at a Cayley in Dublin in the sixties. Um, my dad was playing as part of a Cayley band, and my mom's my mom was working for Conan Aguilga, and her job was to book the Cayley bands. So she used to book dad's Cayley bands <laughs> all the time, <laughs> and they met at a at a Cayley like that. Yeah, so like I grew up, I'm the youngest of four, and the others all play. They play the fiddle. My two sisters play the fiddle, and my brother plays the accordion, and we all learned to dance as well growing up. So there was definitely plenty of music, and my dad's taught gave fiddle classes in the house every Monday night so um it was just part of the part of the walls part of the the wallpaper was uh, um lots of tunes and you know that I'd be I used to practice in the bathroom I used to love the acoustics of the bathroom so I used to come in mm-hmm. after school and and go into the bathroom and play stay there for a few hours and play and you know I my sister then who's 10 years older than me come in be like is there not can you turn that thing down like is there not a volume because <laughs> the bathroom is in the middle very center of the house it's a bungalow and like everyone could hear me you know I didn't care she'd say can you go down the back of the garden and play that instead like it'd sound much better down the back of the garden but just you just keep going just setting to annoy your annoy your siblings <laughs> I know but they were they they're my the three of them are a bit older than me and so they were obviously playing a lot longer before me and I I was always wanting to keep up with them so I suppose I was lucky at home um in that whenever I came home with a new step from the dancing class say they always knew the step before me they so they were able to help me along with it or they were able to show me the next step after that so there was always someone to show me the next tune or the next step so I was very lucky that I had all those (laughs) all that guidance at home and making sure I I stayed on the straight and narrow like if I came home playing too fast dad had come bursting in the door saying what are you doing slow down nice and steady nice he likes playing like you know steady and solids (laughs) so to keep me do you remember what age you started well i I suppose i started playing i I started on the whistle like seven or eight is kind of the the general age most start i think and i started on the whistle and then i actually took up the fiddle because there's lots of fiddles at home and dad was teaching the fiddle but then I I discovered the concertina once I caught it once it caught my eye there was nothing else that I wanted that's just all I wanted was a concertina so um I was was it then was it was it the sound or was it it's funny you used that you said there it caught your eye because it's a beautiful looking little piece of machinery well, that's eh? it and I always note kids are always drawn to it and I think it must be because of the buttons you just press a button and a note comes out <laughs> and, you, and you pull the you pull the bellows one note comes out and you push the bellows and a different note comes out so you know every 
every button has two notes, one in and one out. So, oh, the kids think it's great crack when you, when and then one side is really low notes all the way down, and then the the right hand side is all the really high notes. So, yeah. <laughs> For some reason, it's kind of less daunting than some instruments too. I think from a kid's perspective, maybe because it, if like if it's not it's not overly huge. Well, true, so it yeah, it is. It's small. It, it's just buttons. Yeah, it's small and pretty. And what's handy about it is that there's no you don't have to worry about your tuning. Like if you look at the fiddle or the flute, you have to make sure that you're always in tune. But with the concertina, um, you know the button, the note you press a button and the note just comes out. So. That- I can see how that I can see how that makes sense to a a child's um, I don't know way of thinking in a way that maybe you know to me anyway uh, this is I have a childlike appreciation of <laughs> um, the fi- the fingerboard of a fiddle for instance yeah, yeah. right when I look at that I just <laughs> see um, blankness and misery <laughs> it's, just, it's it's like it's just this abstract void yeah right whereas button a button and a sound that that's mm-hmm. a, you know that, I can relate to that yeah. you know day one you can make a sound that it's not like vomit worthy which is a real win uh-huh. on the <laughs> you know half yeah. the work is done because well, I'm six months into fiddling and I still yeah. can't do that yeah anyway. so, so Kitsi whereabouts where were you growing up I grew up in Ashburn, County Mead. So it's just on the Mead-Dublin mm-hmm. border. So my dad worked in the city centre in Dublin and they, they bought that site in in Ashburn in the early 70s and built a house there and they're still there. So we all grew up there and it's a... It, we're very we were very lucky because we were very close to Dublin so we had all the amenities of Dublin but we were it's like a, you know we're, we're still out in the country a bit. And we were really lucky because we had lots of families who were... Uh, great musicians around us as well so I grew up with um, you know I had kids I had friends my own age whose parents are musicians and dad and a few of those parents set up uh, the local branch of cultists when we were kids in Ashburn so that we could all get together and play and we had like mm-hmm. Catherine McAvoy is over the road and um, Huey Grogan and Jerry Bird and Tom O'Shaughnessy and they were all great musicians. So all their kids were, we were all growing up together. So the parents would bring us all along to the school on the Friday night and we would have the session every Friday night together and the parents would play along with us to, as I said before, keep us on the straight and narrow to make sure we weren't learning any any tunes that were too funky or playing too fast. <laughs> we had to learn the Sally Gardens and the books and the Lucy Campbells and all the... <laughs> The regular run-of-the-mill tunes that are that are so that make up the tradition. They are the tradition, um, but it's only now you know that you really look back and appreciate how lucky we were we were to have that because we had such a good gang of friends. And when pe- parents ask me now, what like how, how do you get them into it? How do you get them involved? I I can't get them to play at home. And I always ask, have they friends that are playing? Because you know you need the social. You need to be having fun. So we used to go along to mm-hmm. that Friday night session and we'd play. We'd, we'd have the crack with each other and we'd be going for a sleepover after every Friday night there was a sleepover. And then the tunes for us was the byproduct. That was just the playing was only the sides thing, you know. <laughs> so that was the crack was that we were so lucky that we had well, we had a gang there that our parents were all there every Friday night with us, bringing us along. And we, we really enjoyed it. And then we got to go to all the flas and festivals together and we got to meet up with gangs of friends, especially in Clare. I, we spent all our holidays in Clare, our family and you know, I got to make great friends down there that I'm still best friends with today that are musicians and uh, going around all the flowers and festivals together and that social aspect of it, which is 
so important for keeping you interested at that age. It's such a cheat for the parents as well, because obviously, <laughs> like you're talking about all players there too. So yeah. they're doing their Friday night thing. They've guaranteed you're occupied. You're learning something that they enjoy. They know they're giving you a gift for later on in life. Mm. And they get to spend their Friday nights with their mates having a tune as well. Win-win. <laughs> yeah. mm. win. um, you know what? I think we're going to have to start a, um, a bow and head session. <laughs> I think, I, you know what? I, I totally, yeah. totally. Um, I think um, that's the only way we're actually going to actually um, be able to spend time mm in exactly. close proximity Darren mm-hmm. yeah, in the back room of the cricket club or something <laughs> oh yeah and if your kids <laughs> see you having the crack together and playing tunes together they see it as a real positive social event you know and it's all Completely. it's all good maybe we'll maybe we'll start a branch of cultists just uh, just to keep things really on the street <laughs> you know yeah. I, mean? <laughs> I don't know if they'd have us <laughs> so uh, was it was there ever any um uh like it's funny that you mentioned those um those standard tunes like lucy campbell's and the sally gardens and so mm. on and um um can you give me an example of of, of a wayward tune in that context <laughs> when you're a youngster something that, i'd say something the that one that of... springs to mind is the, is the tamlin or the glasgow reel i don't know if no, you've yeah. come across that you'd often hear it at fetches at irish dancing fetches and oh you just use grind me and and yeah that kind of a tune. It's a funky ch- my husband calls them funky chicken, funky chicken tunes when there's loads of the offbeat, loads of uh, intentional syncopation, like not just within the rhythm that you're doing yourself, but that, yeah, anyway, I, yeah, they're different. I, we we kind of don't go down that road. <laughs> I wasn't allowed as a you child and now I, now I understand why I appreciate now. <laughs> uh-huh. But you know, every, everyone has their own, uh, their own tunes that they like, their own tastes, their own repertoire. I when I move when but I it, it isn't mm. no going ahead. No, I was getting off track there. I was going on to something else altogether. No, go on, go well, ahead. Like I'm happy for you to go off track. I, oh, it's, it's just just to talking about tunes and uh, people's tastes and and different repertoires. When I started coming to Donegal <clears throat> when I was eighteen or nineteen, um, in Southwest Donegal, there's a pocket of of uh, there's an area there just a pocket of southwest Donegal and they have their own repertoire of tunes that you don't really get anywhere else in the country and I grew up going all over the country to flas and festivals and and meeting up with friends and I was I always knew the tunes like I was always able to pick up the tunes easily enough um Mm -hmm. you know that was what we did (laughs) everything all the time and then when I came to Donegal and went to this these sessions in southwest Donegal I didn't know one tune and I couldn't figure them out I couldn't join in I couldn't pick pick them up because I'd be used to kind of sitting in and mucking in and trying to trying to follow the tune along and trying to get it but um no I got it's totally different approach uh, repertoire and I love that that they have their own their own repertoire there that is so strong still and so intact up here in in this side in northwest Donegal where I live now um it's that style of that repertoire isn't as much up here but um it's mm-hmm. more it's more mainstream repertoire played up here with still some of the some Donegal music played up here as well but um if we yeah sorry I went off track there <laughs> When you when you saying you couldn't pick them up, is there a, is there a distinct yeah like style you know, that goes with it that you, this makes it harder to well I I find on? if you're if you're if you've been doing it for a few years where you're able to sit in to a session and try and pick up tunes, sometimes they can become a little bit predictable. Like you can early sense that the 
the say the it's nearly A B A C or something like that that the four lines of of a part of a tune say. Um, that you know the third line would be nearly the same as the first line. You can sometimes predict that it'll be like that. But when I was go when I was in sitting in in those sessions at the fiddling festivals in Southwest Donegal, there it wasn't like that at all. It was not they weren't predictable. Couldn't tell where the tune was going. I would try and join in, and I'd be completely wrong. So I just had to sit back and just listen and and uh, and go home and learn the tunes instead. But over the years, since then, I have picked them up and now I can, now I really appreciate them. Now I love them. But at the time, they sounded so different to me, to my ear. I wonder why tunes like that don't, don't migrate and just kind of stay in a, in a certain spot. Because really, like there's, there's such a small distance between the areas we're talking about. And I, I, I could possibly understand it years ago if people weren't moving around as much. But these days, it seems people move all the time it's it's uh, well why why would you guess that certain tunes they is it just that uh, the more more people can play them in that area or is there something else to it you think is there something else to uh, how how it has stayed well why they yeah what, i wonder why they stay in pockets mm. like that and don't migrate into other areas particularly because it's such a s- short physical distance yeah. between these places yeah i don't know but i'm, I, I'm not i'm just, it's, <clears throat> i'm sure I you don't have a direct answer if it's um you know a, a conscious thing on the part of the players to sort of keep uh, to keep that repertoire alive mm-hmm. and distinct you, i think you know you're right I mean? there yeah because um the older players you know are dying off and it's up to up to up to the people who are there now playing to keep those tunes those particular tunes played what what would what would be a, an example of of a couple of those kinds of tunes? Do you fancy playing? I uh, no, because I, I wouldn't even be able to tell okay. you the name of <laughs> Good, one okay. of them. Um, do you know, I only ever play them when we're down there, and that's once a year. Or, or and we were haven't we haven't even been there now in a couple of years. There's only, um, it's it's only when we go to a festival down there that, and there's only a couple of right. festivals Fair a year enough. down there. Yeah. <laughs> what we'll have to do is catch up with you afterwards and maybe wrangle a name or two for me that we should chase <laughs> up and have you. a chat with them about I'll, I'll it find one and yeah. send, them, send it to you yeah yeah well if we're if we're talking about having a tune is there something else that you might fancy giving us or a set okay um well let's see well I I could play some I could play a tune that I um a couple of tunes that I wrote for my mom and dad seeing as we were talking about them or I could play Lovely. something mm-hmm. from Donegal um no your mom and dad would be nice yeah? or okay. is that what you're gonna say Dom? sure so i wrote this um this first one just during the lockdown there so i wrote it for my dad and the second one then is one that i wrote for mom years ago about 10 years ago so um the second one is called the tune for bernie and i don't have a name for the first one yet i'm trying not to call it a tune for tony <laughs> <laughs> so will i go ahead go for it okay Thank you. 
Hello. Hello. <laughs> Darren, are you there? I am, I am. Great. So you said, you, you just remind me, the, the second one was for your mum, right? Yeah. Um, the second one I wrote about 10 or 12 years ago and I called it A Tune for Bernie. And then the first one I just wrote there a few months ago during the lockdown. And so I, I'm going to, that's for my dad, but I haven't named it yet. But he likes it, so All right. it, yeah. it got the thumbs up uh, from him. Earlier on, we spoke about your dad and playing fiddles. What, what about your mum? What, what's your mum like? Um, mom is, um, she's a dancer. And she is as the most lively and energetic young mother I know <laughs> she has 10 grandkids <laughs> and she had a big birthday earlier this year and um she doesn't really like to admit that she's that age and she when she when she had her first grandchild about uh, 14 or 15 years ago now she was adamant that she wasn't going to be called granny because in her mind a granny was an <laughs> older person so she's mamo yeah. so she's mamo to, right. to her te- to her 10 yeah. grandchildren and she's uh she's she's just great she She's um so full of energy and such a lively spirit. And if the right music is being played, there is no way that she can stay sitting. She is up and she'll have everyone up as well. And she's like, don't be don't think that you'll be let sit as well. You have to get up. Everyone has to get up. <laughs> but uh, is like there a when... great YouTube video of her on your on your channel? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've yeah put, I've I was watching a, that. I was wondering if that was your mum, all right, because there's a similar look there, all right. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Like, uh, what's what's the what's the right music? The right ch- is Claire Claire music, as in as in right. if we're looking at the Kilfenora Kaylee band, or um, okay, yeah, or the Tulla, you know, West Clare. Is that where she's from? So, yeah. So she or? she actually grew up in Dublin, but both her parents are from West Clare. They're from Ennistime and, and Liscanner. And she she will if you ask her where she's from, she'll she'll say Clare. <laughs> she's um, <laughs> she's the proudest woman from Clare who 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 didn't actually grow up in Clare, but she, you know, her both her parents are from there. And a few years ago, mom and dad built a holiday home down in Ennistime, and they're down there any chance they can get now. And they have a lovely community of neighbours there that they that friends and people knocking into the house, and there's that lovely sense of community around that uh, locality there outside outside Ennistime, and that they mightn't have as much around Ashburn. So I, I, they love going down there and they love playing tunes and meeting up with their friends there. And there's always someone to meet up with for a tune and a chat. And that's what mom and dad are all about. Just the tunes and the chats and the camaraderie and dancing. And like her parents, as I said, were were set dancers. And uh, so they passed that on to all their children. And my mom and her brother, especially my uncle John, he's just the best, my favorite dancer. Just uh, there's nobody like him. He's so rhythmical, so musical with his feet. So when when I say dancing like there, it's 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 what you do with your feet when you're dancing around in a set. So you know a set with eight people. So we we would have grown mm-hmm. up going to Kaylee's with my uncles and aunts and my cousins, and dancing sets together. And it's what you do with your feet as you're moving around a set. That's what that's where my heart is that's what I love and then when Uncle John dances solo then he dances that rhythmical you know maybe uh, what he would do in a set but he adds to it as well he does so much more but it's just so musical so rhythmical he's really listening to the music listening to the tune there's so many dancers now that just get up and do their rehearsed four steps or whatever it is and it doesn't matter what tune is being played but 
what I love and where my heart is and what I try to do is I try to just respond to the music, to the tune that's being played, to how the musician is playing it. You know, it could be the speed. Where are they putting the rhythm? Where are they putting the emphasis? Are they putting syncopation in? Am I going to match up with that syncopation, that push and pull? It's like a, a duet kind of over and back. That's what I love. And that's what Uncle John does as well. And and uh, so that that's my mom. She she grew up with that sort of environment of um really listening to the music so when when you whenever I was growing up at home and I'd be playing a tune in the house it would get the thumbs up or it would definitely get the thumbs down if it wasn't a tune that was good for that made her feel like dancing she, her head would come around the corner with a look on her face like <laughs> what why are you playing that what don't even bother don't even bother learning that tune <laughs> so this might be a, a bit I don't know if it's a too personal of a question but when you play Bernie's tune like, what image do you have of her um I just I think I think it's a happy tune and she's always happy and and smiling and lively and and she's just so brilliant with her all her grandkids she's um she had a a Nienra, uh for 19 years it's a play school through Irish and she ran that for 19 years and she she gave it up a number of years ago but she still has all the songs and the rhymes and the tunes and I have one year old twins now and they just cannot get enough of Mamo just oh. Mamo 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 <laughs> all day long she's down on the floor crawling <laughs> along with them and she's just the biggest messer she's like a three-year-old herself <laughs> and like when I when we go down to visit them in Ashburn after we leave my sister is like oh mom's still like mom is still the three-year-old like a week later she's still talking about Frankie and Rosie and the and the songs and the rhymes and how they're they're copying her along and trying to get yeah she's she's just really lively and a great spirit what, what are a few of the a, a few of the songs and rhymes because <laughs> Hain do tri, kahar kuig shay, kishti dasa egorante, ula dasa banani bui, lollipop is arashti. That's not the first time you're saying that today, is it? Oh my god, oh, the 27th <laughs> time today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so there's many of them, there's about 40 of them with the actions, Aye. the actions to go with them and all. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I'd like, I think, because I asked that question about your mum and you painted a lovely picture, what would you say if I asked the same question about your dad? Oh, well, dad's, dad's a big kid as well, kind of. He, he, yeah. he loves messing with them and playing with them. But he, he, anytime we do FaceTime, he's always dialing to them. And that what they do with their uh, what they do with the kids now is that they they sing the first part of they dialed the first part of the Sally Gardens and then they leave out the last bar and then the two the, my twins have to go diddly diddle do <laughs> they have to finish it off. Wow! <laughs> so that's that's what my dad does on the phone, or else he'll he'll get out the the fiddle and start playing for them. And so when you when you think back on him. Uh, Growing up, growing up, and think of him now, and and writing a tune about him. I know it was ten years ago, but it's it's that jovial, having a bit of fun. He's that kind of character. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and, and music is definitely his passion. He always is working on. He always has a project or two on the go that is related to music, um, either you know writing a book or com- compiling tunes. Like he he compiled the um he worked with Vincent Broderick to get his tunes together so that he could 
publish his tunes and so that Vincent could publish his tunes in a book. This is years ago, you know, when mm-hmm. Vincent couldn't write music. Dad said, sure, I'll do that. So he got all the tunes. Vincent recorded them onto a tape and dad notated them. And then they published the Churro Stone and then the Churro Stone 2, which, you know, all those amazing, those great tunes that you would swear are hundreds of years old because they are so set in the tradition now, like the Tinker's Daughter and the Haunted House, all those tunes of Vincent Projects that and dad was a great friend of his and he's he's like he lost another great friend recently Chris Droney and he's just um he loves going around and playing with um you know all those older friends of his and um he's just a great man of the tradition I think in my opinion like he is there's absolutely no airs or graces and um and always at flas and festivals he there's he'll He's happy to play with anyone young or old um, and he always plays on the street. He he isn't a drinker um, and he would find that, you know, the pubs can get really crowded and noisy. So if you're trying to compete with a crowd who are sh- shouting, you know, um, to play, to have a few tunes, he that's not his scene at all. So usually at Flas, you know, they're during the summer, so the weather is fine usually. Um, and he would he will find a doorway or a windowsill and and stand in the doorway with 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 another couple of people one one other person could be five other people and they'll play away and there's been many many flas where he has played for four six hours straight non-stop until uh, three or four three or four o'clock in the morning no no problem wow that's that that image of you know there's, there's something about the playing in the street right the street player not the street player versus the pub player exactly but the difference in that experience is really, it's, well, it's really fascinating to me. And when you say, I mean, like yeah. propping yourself up on a windowsill, mm-hmm. right? And and I, I don't know how to describe it, really. I guess it's, um, I, I mean, I guess it's like, it's like you're open to the world, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it, I suppose in a in a pub in a session so it, only the few people who are standing around the se- the session can really hear it properly but out on the street there's always a crowd of uh, of and it's generally older people and men that will stand at two o'clock in the morning on the Saturday night of the flag in the in wherever it is and they'll stand there for hours and just stand and listen and dad really appreciates those people who appreciate the music you know that aren't trying to talk have their conversation at the same time they just want to listen to music and dad just really relates and connects with those people who'll stand there and when when he's playing in the in the in the doorway or the windowsill and a few people come along to play with him there's always a small crowd standing around so it's nearly like it contains the the sound of the from the instruments it contains the music in a little pocket there around that doorway or windowsill and they're happy he is happy out there the only thing he needs is maybe a bottle of seven up or maybe a coffee you know and that and he's happy out he doesn't even really take a stool he'll stand and and uh and, and himself and um, Mick O'Connor, banjo player from London, did a CD a few years ago because they would have always he Mick would have always, always stood with sat with Dad in a in a windowsill or a doorway and and played and they called the CD doorways and windowsills. Um, after nice. that, oh, but my, uh, when when I was twelve, um, the flower was down in Enniscorthy and I won a prize in the concertina competition. And Dad said, "Great, what do you want to do now to celebrate?" And all I wanted to do was stay out all night to play on the street 
because that's what dad did every every night yeah. and I wanted it because I always had to leave at you know nine o'clock or ten o'clock or whatever and go home to yeah. bed go back to the caravan but I said no I want to stay out all night so that was my rewards then I and, and like it was an experience because it's Saturday night the flan you've everyone fall you know people falling around the place and talking down a, a traffic cone to you uh, <laughs> that kind of stuff but <laughs> I, I sat there on the ground on my concertina case on the floor with um dad and all his buddies standing around me and I remember one of them remarking god she knows all the tunes and I didn't know all the tunes I was just trying to pick them up I was mad for learning my favorite tune was all it was always the one I just learned you know so I always wanted yeah, a new yeah. tune and always when I was playing in a flat uh, dad was like right what are you going to play in the competition and it would always be the tunes that I just learned that week because they were like and it was like well no you yeah. and it had happened a few times then that I broke down in the competition and wasn't able to get to the end of the tune because I didn't know it well enough I didn't know it properly and I was probably a bit nervous of that but I just that's a favorite memory of of the flas that time 1999 in Enniscorthy and I sat with dad all night until three or four in the morning playing and just trying it to is the real celebration of the music in that space, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. we're used to music in the pub setting, and and when, and when it goes outside, and when it grabs an audience, and when it you just it feels so special to 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 just experience music in that format. You're 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 occupying spaces which are not normally filled with music, yeah, and they're not normally filled with I don't know, maybe the mm-hmm. shutting down a a. Uh, a street cone is <laughs> takes yeah. it a step too far, but there is something really special in that. You know, this is, I, I, I don't know maybe it's a new, it's a, it's a, whatever store it is, and it's just you don't normally associate it with music, and when the streets are full with that, there's something really, really special about that. Yeah. Um, you, you recorded with your dad, didn't you? I did actually. If you didn't you do an album? Yeah, we did just two years ago, um, twenty eighteen. We myself and dad did a CD together, and we called it Tub of Rida which means St. Bridget's Well, which is where my grandmother, my mother's mother is from, outside Liscanner, uh, just beside the Cliffs of Moher. Um, and I just was dying to, I just wanted to play, record with dad because for a few years there, myself and Kieran were touring America a lot. Like we'd be over there three times a year at least doing a tour. And then, you know, alongside that, dad would be over doing a few gigs as well. And he'd be in one part of the States and me and Kieran would be in another part of the States. And I'm there in my head going, I want to be, I'd love to be playing with dad as well and doing a few gigs with dad and having this time with him. So um, I, you know, I'm one of four, but I, I was like, no, dad, I want to just do a CD, just me and you. Um, so I just, you know, remind the others that I am the favorite child and that he did the CD with me. <laughs> um, but we haven't actually been able to get to launch it properly or, or tour it or gig it at all because, you know, uh, 2018, I had the, the twins then in December 2018. So that's kind of, we were planning on doing something this year, but then there was a pandemic uh, <laughs> well we'll, we'll get there yeah. but I'm really proud of that CD I, I really really because it's our music it's the music that I grew up with it's like the music from home because dad is definitely my biggest influence musically and I, I wanted to make sure that we just put that you know uh, the, the tunes that I grew up playing with them on that CD and that and I'm we got Brian McGrath to accompany us on the piano and I love his playing so I'm I'm really I'm, I'm I was I'm delighted with how it turned out was it hard you- getting the uh, Sorry, go, go ahead, Darren. I was just going. Was it hard getting the the set list for that album? Then, if the like, could mm. you go up with so many 
We just, so many tunes and just songs. Picked the favorite ones. Um, you know, Dad would often be trying to be conscious that some tunes are good tunes and they're not being played, and we should play them. Um, so we had some tunes that aren't very commonly played that we both liked, but then we still just stuck with the the like this. Do you know, it's it's all it's a lot of regular tunes as well. There isn't anything too unusual or. Or Funky Chicken, there isn't anything Funky Chicken on it at all. <laughs> Obviously, it's me and Dad. But um, there's a good, some good reels. I would say that it'd be, I, I think it's lively. I think it would, uh, you know, the dancing is, as I said, is always there in my mind when I'm playing. So I think I hope the dancing is here on this CD as well. My mom actually dances on a track. She does her, she dances a hornpipe on a track and I dance on is one Is she of the, the Belfast hornpipe? No, you? the Belfast Hornpipe is actually on the Kathleen Kieran CD, I think, because um, that's one that oh, me okay, and him sorry, do. Wrong, that's yeah. me, yeah. That's uh, that's myself and Kieran. But uh, no, she does. Uh, she does a Hornpipe on the Tupper Frida one, and I dance a reel on the tub, on the CD as well. So, yeah. And Kathleen Kieran is uh, who, who's Kieran? Kieran is my husband. Um, he plays mm. the fiddle, and he is from Guidor in Donegal, where we now live. He got his way. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the, well, no, no, I don't mean that no, in a bad way. We were debating for years and years where we would actually live because where Kieran is from here in Guidor, it's a very culturally rich area. There's the 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 uh, we we speak Gaelic at home, and he speaks it with his family. And there's, uh, you know, if you go around the shops and that, it's um, it's Gaelic mostly that you will hear for the most part. And that you can talk in the um, shops. I spent the summer in Guidor at the Geltacht. That's where. I, that's why I'm so fluent in yeah. Irish. Just so you know, <laughs> I'm very familiar with the place. Yeah, and it is beautiful. Like I'm, I'm in my office here now, and I'm looking out on the sea and the islands. Were, it's absolutely stunning. Like there's the beaches are. Like I, I toured with Riverdance, right? And I got to go to Australia and South Africa and Egypt and I'd be, we'd be going around seeing all the sites, the Table Mountain in Cape Town and all the, and I'd, we'd be there and the, the other dancers would be there saying, God, it's amazing, isn't it? And me, I'd be like, yeah, but have you been to Donegal? <laughs> <laughs> and I know they'd be like, what are you on, Kathleen? Shut up. Like, but I would know, but really, like, <laughs> like I, the, the, the scene, the scenery here is stunning. And when I moved up here in 2018, like I, I've been coming here for years, obviously, because we were going out. But um, I moved up here in 2018. I was like, this place is just so spectacular. Like the beaches, are, it's white sand, green waters. There's the islands. You can go out to the islands. There's M- M- Mount Errigal there behind us. Uh, mm. Dunluwy, the Poison Glen, Glenvay National Park. Like the, the Guidor is just beautiful. And I... I was like, I have to show people this, this place. And I knew that we were going to kind of settle and we were going to, you know, maybe start a family in that. And so the touring mightn't be happening as much because we toured flat out for about five years. We were on the road constantly. So I started the Wild Atlantic Concertina Week and I just advertised. I said, come to Guidor for a week and we'll do concertina classes and there'll be sessions and I'll show you around the sites as well. So I, I ran it in 2018 and in 2019 and um, the people come mainly from outside of Ireland. I think, you know, 90% of the people come. I only have 10 in the class because I don't want the class to be too big, but I'd say nine out of the 10 come from outside of Ireland. One lady, Sandy, actually came from Australia. Delighted, she came all the way. But I, I just want to show, I just wanted to do the concertina class and then we get out and we go to Gola Island or we go to Glenvay National Park or we do a walking tour of 
this area here. Or we have a little recital from Mairead Niwini, who lives here as well, um, Kieran Zant, or or some of the younger musicians and singers who are who are playing here from Ancranog, a great little great little um, a group of musicians learning and to play and sing here. So I, I'm I'm settling. I'm I'm only here now two and a half years, but um, I'm set well settled now, and I do love living here. I can see how. I can see the benefits with the 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 singing and the culture and the music um and the language that are here. The only downside really is that I'm so far away from my family from my from my parents. It's a 4-hour drive, but it's okay. We do FaceTime every evening, so. Yeah. 4 4 hour drive it's just down the road in yeah. sharing in yeah. terms. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> just pop <laughs> just pop down for the afternoon. Hey, I would I was just going to ask you if we could have a um another set of tunes or another okay. tune and uh, the other thing I was going to ask, if you if you'd send us a photo of what you're talking about, we I'd love to stick it up with yeah. the with the episode so you can have a listen and a look. Um, your window there, it's yeah, window, yeah. Well, it's it's raining now. I'll wait till the sun's shining. <laughs> oh, we we'll be listening to it in, in in a few weeks' time when it's scorching here. Going, I'd love a bit of rain. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's your summer. Okay, so another set of tunes. Well, yeah. What do you what do you fancy? Do you think? Well, will I will I play some? Um, Let's see. I went to college in Cork. Um, I went to UCC, and when I was down there, I, I, you know, I, I, I got more into writing tunes. So there's, um, I could play a set of, I could play some tunes from my time down there, maybe. Yeah, that would be okay. lovely. Yeah, thank you. Um, will I will I play a waltz or a set of reels? Oh, waltz would be gorgeous. I love it. I love a waltz. Okay, right. Is that right, you, Darren? Yeah. (laughs) So this is a a waltz called Sunday's Well. And Sunday's Well is the area in Cork City where the uh, music department is. So that's where I studied for four years. I did an undergrad and and a master's there. And um, yeah, so this is the waltz, Sunday's Well. Thank you. 
Ah, oh, that was that was beautiful. Lovely. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, was that a was that a happy time for you? Oh yeah, for sure. At college. Yeah. Yeah. Were you studying music? I was. Yeah, music and Irish. Oh, right. I loved it. Yeah. And uh, so I don't know if you can answer this question because it's kind of unanswerable. But I'm wondering. I don't to say why a waltz, but I, I I love to hear a waltz, and I I grew up listening to waltzes. The the waltzes I used grew up listening to where uh, my dad was very fond of uh, you know like that sort of Johann Strauss Jr. the Blue Danube and all those kind of um, European Viennese waltzes oh lovely right? yeah so when I so when I was a kid I always hated it I always thought <laughs> this is just I mm. could not stand that stuff <laughs> right I could not bear it. And, it and it took me until like I was in my my kind of late 20s and I was in Scotland and I used to play with this accordion player called Brian McAlpine and he played a tune called Margaret's Waltz okay. and it just suddenly I was like oh that's a waltz <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know there's something about a waltz like the one you just played that it, it's such an elegant beautiful um, swaying form to it I just absolutely love it so that's yeah. all. Thank you. <laughs> Welcome. Well, I, Why a waltz? There's no question. There's no, no there's no question at the end of that. You know, I just wanted to say thanks for playing Thank that. You. I I have some some questions, and look, I think there's a fear that I will get down into the weeds about this kind of stuff, but it's 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 something I think I need to ask because. I think I'm probably not the only one who doesn't know the difference with some of these things. So, I no, you're I, not, because I don't. Earlier on, you mentioned about dancing, and you said, you know, well, there's a set dancing, and then there's the, there's the four, and there's a group of the eight, and then there's the more rhythmical one. And uh, like, I have probably heard terms like that in my past, and I just kind of sails over me. I get, I get, there's different types of dances, but I really don't know what they are. Is it, is it kind of, is it even possible for you to kind of dot point what each of them? Um, sum them up well so i'd understand what when, when you see river dance that's the step dancing so that's irish step dancing and i grew up doing that and when you go to a fesh you know with the wigs and the costumes and the fake tan and all that nonsense that's all step dancing um so i grew up doing that from when i was four all three classes a week and a fesh at the weekends and that's what led me to be with Riverdance which was an amazing experience and I got to tour the world and you are well looked after and all the best hotels and all of that but I really missed my, my music I really missed playing and it was just a different yeah. scene a different environment than the flas and the festivals you know the Irish dancing world is one world and the, the Irish music world is another world um did it but did it take getting into Riverdance for that to become apparent well, I wasn't. Were, I, I wasn't really ever hugely a part of it, to be honest. Like I did do all the fetches and that, but I wasn't really part of the really into it as as in in the scene because I was always playing so much music as well. I, it wasn't my yeah. only thing. Like if you want to be a world champion Irish dancer, there, I think from my understanding from the outside looking in is that you need to just not really do anything else and you need to be working at it constantly um it is such an such athleticism like there's so so much commitment um and dedication involved in that um but I was very fortunate that I got to go with Riverdance and I even though I wasn't the best dancer like I still I did compete in the world every year and that but I never got close to 
a podium or anything like that. You know, I was far from that. Mm. But uh, I, I managed to talk my way into Riverdance. I I plumbed the <laughs> the fella who did the auditions one day um, when I met him. At, I went to see Riverdance and the Gaiety in Dublin and I saw him there and I said, right, here's your chance, Kathleen. So I went up and um, I know I, I first like chickened out, it was half time and then I was there with my brother's wife and she was like, Kathleen, what, what are you doing? Get up there, get up. And she gave me the push. So right <laughs> up, I went to him and I said, hi. And I knew, I knew I could speak Irish to him because he's a Gaelic speaker. Um, and I was yeah. trying to pull on anything that I could that he would remember me. So I said, uh, you know, I spoke to Musquig, hello, Misha Kathleen. And, and what else could I pull on? There was another couple of things like my dancing teacher had been in Riverdance. So I knew she was a lead dancer. So I knew he knew her. And I just said, look, if there's any auditions ever, you know, I would love to be considered. And he said, well, there's no auditions because at that time, and I don't know what it's like now, but you only got into Riverdance. They only called an audition once every two years, maybe. So you could easily miss your chance right. if you kind of, I was in college yeah. at this t stage, you know, I'd stopped competing. So I, I was nearly on the way out. If I didn't do it then in two years time, I was definitely going to be over the hill. So I uh, I said, "Can if there's any audition, he said, there's no auditions at the minute, but um, I am working on my own, my own project and I'm looking for dancers for it. So nothing to do with Riverdance, but I said, I'm there, sign me up. I just wanted to be, get on his good side. So he said, right, well, the, yeah. the workshops are happening in Dublin every weekend. So when I'm living in Cork, I'm like, that's grand. Sure, I'll come up for the workshops. <laughs> so every yeah. weekend I got the train up and did his workshops just to get on his good side. And I spoke to him in Gaelic every after every class. And then one day after about three months, he said, right, Kathleen, we'll do your audition today after the class like zero notice or prep put into it at all and so I, I I wasn't expecting this at all but he luckily what happened then at the end of that class that particular day is that the workshop ran over time so we had to get out of the studio so he said right Kathleen we'll do it next Saturday we'll do it next week so I booked myself into yes, the studio yeah. in the gym in Cork every day the next week and practiced 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 and uh, did the did the audition on my own because usually auditions would be a group all there together and they're nearly comparing one against the other. But he, I suppose he could see that I had put in the time. So he gave me the audition and, and I got in that way. And, uh, and, and I was very grateful, but it took six months for them to actually have to call in uh, like spaces on a tour to bring in new dancers. So I joined with five other dancers six months later, dropped out of college to do it and got to tour with them for two years. Um, Wow. And and we did, what year was this now? That was two thousand and nine till two thousand and eleven, and like we did a tour six weeks in South Africa, six weeks in Australia, did months and months around Europe, Scandinavia, and then the odd trip to Egypt at the pyramids, which was an incredible experience. We were the support act for Mariah Carey at, at a purpose built stage at the pyramids. That was give us some gossip out of this world. Oh, she wouldn't <laughs> talk to us. Are you mad? She wouldn't even. There was one <laughs> of her. Apparently, now one of the other dancers t was talking to one of her crew, and her crew had said, "Oh no, I've never even spoken to her." Like, <laughs> brilliant. But um, what? This might seem like a very obvious question, but why did you want to to do it? Um, I suppose it's the little girl dream that you you grow up and you're looking at these um this amazing spectacle on stage, and not that mm. I had ever seen it. Um, I, I like 
like I grew up playing and dancing and we were always doing little stage things with the family you know we were all in community in the community hall or at a at a flower or something I'd be and I'd be brought up to do a step at the end with dad say you know if dad was playing or the family were playing I'd be brought up to do a step and I loved that and I loved the <laughs> I loved the applause <laughs> mm-hmm. um and it's like you get hooked on that so I used to love uh you know, the, the, well, the river dance is spectacular when you watch the lineup and that. And uh, it was yeah. the dream. But then it didn't take too long for me to realize that it wasn't really all that for my own personal experience. It wasn't um, it wasn't as amazing as I thought it was going to be as an experience. So I, I did two years and I got to see all those countries and experience that. But um, I suppose I wanted to kind of do my own style of dancing. And obviously river dance, you do the steps and the choreography and it's all very uniform and that's part of what makes it so strong and so impress so impressive is everyone doing the same thing at the same time but what the dancing that I do now is more um freestyle or improvised I like mm-hmm. to just dance to the tune that's being played like if I get Kieran to play for me if we're doing a gig I'll say just play three or four tunes just once or twice each just keep changing you know maybe twice each if it's a if it's a double twice if it's a single reel just play it twice or three times keep changes so that it keeps it entertaining for me and I will change my tack when he changes tune I'll be like I'll, I'll go back to bass and like right what's this tune but I, I love doing that because it keeps I'm able to because I know the tune and because I know his playing so well I'm able to um kind of I know where the long notes are and I know where there's a run of triplets, say, in that Belfast hornpipe that you mentioned there, the third part mm-hmm. of that, it's all triplets. So I'm able to match that with with what I do with the steps, with the feet. And so I'm not doing mapped out or planned steps. I just have little patterns that I kind of um, just pull pull on lots of different rhythms and beats with the, with the feet um it's not planned it's just kind of and I try to I try to match up with the musician I try to really lock in with them like I hate putting my back to a musician to face the audience I want to face the musician and I want it to be a conversation over and back and I want them to get a bit something off me as well a bit of energy off me to for their own music and and over and back like that so if it's a long note I might do a, a spin or a pause or if it's a run of triplets like that I might match that up with drums or heels with the feet that that kind of thing so it's re- it's really improvised uh and that's what that's what I love doing now and I suppose it's, it's different to what you would get in river dance I suppose that explains the Irish dancing and the and what I do now but I I, I didn't I haven't mentioned the set dancing which is a huge part of my dancing that I well I, I suppose I mentioned it earlier with my uncle John so just just before we go go on to the set dancing, I just wanted to ask you a wee bit about, like, how long did it take you before you you sort of started to feel, um, that that river dance wasn't such a good fit, right? Yeah, um, I suppose after a year, a year and a half or so, um, I was just I used to wrap, I used to bring a, an old concertina in the suitcase with me and. And, and just wrap it in a towel without the case, like my old latinal that I had when I was a kid that my parents never sold. <laughs> I'd bring that and I'd play it in the in the hotel room in in Johannesburg where we were for four weeks. We were in one theatre for four weeks at one point. And uh, and like I think some of the other the dancers might have thought I was weird, you know, doing that. I just kind of felt a bit, uh, I don't know, that maybe they were like, you, you can, sometimes it's... Um, 
Yeah, I don't know how to say this nicely. <laughs> I don't want to shoot myself in the foot. What, what was the question again? I can't remember the question. <laughs> well, I, I guess what I, was, what I was trying to get at was, you know, how, how long did it take you to, to sort of feel like it wasn't for you? But um, for, for somebody like me who just, I'm one of those people who, you know, saw Riverdance the first time on the TV when it was a Eurovision or whatever it was, and just being blown away by, holy shit, what is this thing? And then, you know, it becomes this massive commercial juggernaut. From a personal point of view for you, like how long were you in there before? Like what was your typical day like? And, you know, how long did it take for you to start to think? Eh, yeah, well, I, uh, well, to be honest, after a few months, I I was actually, um, I, I, I developed like a twitch under my eye and I had never had anything like that before. And there's a, a physio slash medical person on with us all the time who if anyone has any injuries and I went to him and I said what's this about and it was just there 24 hours a day and he said oh I'll look it up so he came back to me and said it's from stress and fatigue and I this is like I dreamt about being with Riverdance and then after my first few months I had a twitch under my eye from stress and fatigue like what what do I have to be stressed about why am I stressed but I I, I kind of find I found parts of that environment difficult to settle into and then I suppose I was missing my own outlet of music as well at home um but that the 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 twitch went away after about three months after I came home after I was home for a couple of weeks after that one of those first tours the the twitch went away but it was just interesting to to that you you can build up something so much and then you get there and you're like oh this isn't actually as amazing as I thought it was going to be and it just made me realize and I always think of it now it doesn't matter where you are or what you're doing you could be on a free five-star trip around the world it's the people you're with in any experience that make the experience it's not really what you're doing it's the people you're you do it with that make mm -hmm. an experience so that that became very apparent for me when I was touring with Riverdance. Was it, a, was it a competitive atmosphere? It was kind of, yeah. It was kind of competitive. And I suppose people just maybe doing it in doing it too long that might have needed a break. It's um, it, it's an, a great opportunity. Like you're well looked after. Um, but yeah, there's, there's it just took, it took me, I, I, I did it because I wanted to get it out of my system and I was delighted to get, be, get, get in and get part, be part of it. And then once I felt like I'd done enough, I was like, okay, that's that's enough now. I can I can go back. And I actually left after a couple of years and I went to Cork and did a master's then. So mm. does it change in any way the way that you relate to both the music and the dance? Or is it just such a different animal that you know, that you could be, you know, painting a garage door? Oh or? no, like, like the do you mean does my dancing influence the music and vice versa no I, I i mean that just that the i guess the personal process that you go through when you're in a situation like that how does it affect how you how you relate to the music and to your own dancing yeah um the music wasn't a huge part of my experience there because there wasn't any mm. you know it was just doing the dancing I was a dancer with Riverdance so I was just doing that that one job um so the music kind of fell by the wayside for that year and a half or a couple of years um 
But once I came out of it, then I made my solo album the following year. I just really was hungry to get back to playing. Um, I wanted to play, 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 I suppose, after a couple of years of not doing it. And it sparked me to go for making my own album, which is a big leap of making a solo album. Um, so I was, I think I was 24 or 25 then when I came out of the, the, the Riverdance and recorded my solo album and it made me also want to do my own thing dancing wise because you have to be uniform and everyone doing the same thing in river dance it made me want to break free and do my own thing and improvise so that's what it also helped would have helped give me the push for the dancing side of things to do my own thing and start improvising to the tune which uh, not mm-hmm. not many people it's really the opposite of yeah <laughs> river dance, right <laughs> With with that, like, just because I do want to kind of understand for myself and then kind of understand your your learning with it. So the type of dance you were exposed to at home as a young girl, was that the was that the kind of the battering yeah. style? Was that the eight people? Yes. So what, what what what's the name of that? Well, I suppose this isn't really a name on a battering is kind of it, but it's not a very technical term. So when you're... Dom, do you know battering? <laughs> no. Okay, so I don't... So, so you maybe in, need to explain it. in the North Antrim. No. Yeah. <laughs> we, had, we had a very similar one in Drogheda. <laughs> well, when you're dancing in a set, as I was, I was saying earlier, you know, the set of eight people, and you'll especially get this a lot in West Clare, so say, let's say, take the Caledonian set or the plain set. And these are, that's, that's a set where you, you, if, you know, you have six figures in a set. So let's say you have eight people, right? And they're all facing in, in a set. And there's um, six figures in a set. Most of them will be reels. At least four of them will be reels. And when you're, when you're dancing in a set, traditionally, it was the men who did the battering, who made the noise. And I just mean, what I mean by that is like how they, what they did with their feet to move around the set, to do the ladies chain, to do the house around the house, to do the house at home, to do the pass through. What are you doing with your feet? Instead of just doing one, two, three, two, two, three, back two, three, you know, they're, they're doing advanced retires and they're actually doing really intricate footwork. Like you see the Michael Flatleys and that kind of intricate footwork, what they're doing, really busy feet where they're make, doing lot, like mm-hmm. how many taps a second and that. And if you watch the old men <laughs> in in West Clare, they're doing the same thing. But in my mind, I love what they do because it really clicks in with the music, with the tune. So traditionally oh. it was men who did this and then the partner, the woman, was light on her feet with him and moved around as a, a, a like an effortless, graceful partner moving around with the man doing the battering but now I like to do the battering and, and I've, uh, I have a couple of friends who who are do it with, do it as well and my cousins and that and we, we love that and my uncle and my mom like my mom wouldn't have done much of the battering um because it was left to the men but her her brother John who I've mentioned uh just mm-hmm. is just the king in my eyes doing it I love I love what he does it's so musical so rhythmical um, so it's what you do with your feet in a set and then you can take that, what I do a bit now and what Uncle John does, take it out if you're asked to do a step on your own and you will do some of that battering solo. 
So, so you talked about eight people in a in a in a set, and then you mentioned six figures. Mm. Are is a figure um, like a, a set of movements? Yes, exactly. So, in in the Caledonian right, okay. set, say there be, and one figure could be two or three reels long, and then the music stops, and then there's a minute break, and then you start the second figure. And that could be ah, two okay. or three reels long. So a set can go on for about, like the plain set of the Caledonian could be 20 minutes long, you know. And then this is say... But Dom, I lost my shit when I started looking into this. It might like, so from my point of view, re- repeating stuff with a like really syncopated drum beat that goes on forever. I was just like rabbit holes then YouTube going, <laughs> what is this? I am hooked. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 so if, so a figure's a set of movements and then, um, um, and within each one of those, they're they're made up of steps. Then would that be right? Well, they're made up of movements, like the figure. So, ladies' right. chain, yeah. house around the lead around, and and the the what you do with your feet is completely up to you. You just have to move around the set of you. You know, you have to get you have to make your way around the set, and it's what you do with your feet is up to you. That's personal. And traditionally, it was the men who made who did the who made the noise. Okay. Yeah. All right, so so that's that's now I'm sort of getting a, <laughs> getting a picture of it. Like it's it's sort of similar to yeah, I mean a Scottish Kelly maybe which would be something similar, be but they you don't get this footwork in other traditions and other cultures. You get the movements all right, but you don't get the footwork. I sent Darren a clip, a YouTube clip, my favorite YouTube clip. It's called the Mullock Half Set. Mullock is outside Milltown Malbay in Clare. So Mullock M M U L L A G H and it's just a half set. It's from a television broadcast in the 70s, I think. And um it's a half set and Willie Keane is one of the men and he's just incredible. Like if you try to break down what he's doing with his feet and it's not that it's so full or so busy. There's there's plenty of space and plenty of gaps as well. I love, I just love what he does. And I actually had the opportunity of dancing with him when I was seven. Oh, my wow. mom brought me to his workshop at the Willie Clancy week and myself and mom were in his workshop for the week. And like I was the only kid in the workshop it was all adults. Um, and uh, and he and then at the end of the week, there's a dancing concert as part of the Willie Clancy week. And each class has to has to present set from the class and he so he picked you know my uncle John was in the set because he was in the class as well and my mom was in the in the set and uh, there was actually a couple from Australia um oh Winnie the name has just gone from me now but in the set as well but um he asked me to be his partner and I was only seven of course I didn't appreciate it at the time and I was like I have to dance with an old man what no no, I'm not doing that and mom bribed bribed me with new shoes she brought me into Ennis she said if I get you a new pair of shoes will you so she she got me one of those lock and key red, red pair of dolly shoes and I said okay I'll do it now so, but now looking back and we have a video of it and all, and my granddad was in the audience and you can hear him roaring and he was in a wheelchair. He passed away a couple of weeks after that. And uh, it's just a really, really special memory. And I'm so honored to have been able to dance with him. If you see that video of the Mullock half set of that YouTube clip, you'll appreciate the mastery. Like Michael Flatley has nothing on Willie Keane. <laughs> I'll make sure that goes into the uh, into the show notes. So if anyone's listening to this, check below, and it'll be in the show notes. Mm-hmm. What what I am, um, I'm sure that other people will go down the rabbit hole that I did. There's not a whole lot of it on YouTube. You kind of need to look around a bit, but there's bits there. I'll put up links. But what I loved about it too is understanding or kind of reading that the setting for where these would have happened. Like it would have happened in in house Kayleys, right? Mm. So it would have been the battering on the on the what do you call the stone flagstones? Is that what they call like the 
yeah the old stone yeah. stone what 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 shape does it take these days like when when where does it happen if it happens at all it, you're right that it would have happened in the houses and like house dances you know my <clears throat> my auntie josie or sorry my mother's auntie josie in dublin she was uh, she never married and she had a house on the south circular road i think it was and sh- she used to have house dance she used to have dances in her house now it wasn't a big house they used to take the door off the hinges to make more space and as one set was finishing up in the kitchen those people would move out and the next people would go in for their turn with the musicians. There'd be space for two musicians. And I've heard even sometimes that the chairs would be put on the table for the musicians to sit on the tables <laughs> to make more space for the dancing. Um, yeah. Traditionally. And that was my mom's Auntie Josie's house. And it's uh, all the anyone who was around the scene in Dublin in the 60s knows of Josie Murphy and, and 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 what she was like and having those house dances but when she stopped doing that when she got too old and passed away my parents took on the bat on and started doing house dances in their own house in our house so we we grew up with house dances at home um but nowadays not many there aren't many houses that do that uh mostly it will be organized Kayleys in a in a community hall so you'd have a Kaylee yeah. band up on the stage and, it, you know, you pay in and you'll have a Kaylee. So you, that's how, where you get it mostly now. It's not in the houses as much. Um, it's a shame because when you look at the dance and the con- like, and you think about the context of where it would happen, w- because you've got the eight, it's really the the, the, the footprint of, of the dance is the size of kitchen. a medium-sized living room. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's about keeping it small. And, yeah. But there's, there's one clip online. I'll have to try and dig it out again and put it in the show notes. It's... um. It's like the West Clare dance set. And it's, again, it's one of those like early 70s ones when you've got, yeah. it's in someone's house and it's like Willie Clancy's on the whistle. Wow. Kevin Burke, they're all in, and, but it's in a small room and you've just got maybe one person deep around the perimeter of the of the room. People yeah. are packed around the fireplace and you just, I, that's where, that where that's where it needs to be. And, <laughs> and then you add that, you add the dancing and then that syncopated rhythm that really makes it, like funky is not a word I use <laughs> would use a lot. When it comes to Irish music, and maybe I'll be excommunicated for saying that, but for me, listening to those tunes like funky, like it is the the rhythm, the rhythm on the on the two and the four, you're just mm. rocking, and on then the having feet. it for extended lengths of time. Mm. Yeah, yeah, so good. I'll, I'll send you a clip of our house dance at home as well. Oh, lovely! I'll, if you if we get that yeah. time, I'll, I'll pop it in the in the show notes as well. So, so when you're dancing, uh, uh, and you're you're improvising and you're you're sort of feeling it, um, are you just in that headspace where? Well, what kind of headspace are you in? Actually, I, I, I generally have. I'm just singing the tune in my head. <clears throat> I'm generally just um, trying to follow the tune as best I can. I'm just trying to focus in on the tune so the whoever's playing for me I'm I'm just trying to follow that tune so that I so that I'm in line with them um so it's mm-hmm. it, so that I'm you know it's that I'm concentrating if there is a long note coming up that I'm ready for so that I have something to stick in there so you're kind of thinking ahead oh there's a run of triplets coming here say or there's a long note or um or you know like some tunes start with a long note let's say um 
Christmas Eve. Da, 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 da. There's a long note at the start. Da, da, da. And other tunes, they might start with a roll, like say the Dairy Maid. So I would do something like that with my feet to match up with that. Whereas with Christmas Eve, I might do a da, da, da. Try and match up that way. So I'm trying to think ahead of what's coming up in the tune, but I'm I'm definitely just singing the tune in my head and and, and trying to match up with it as best I can. Is there a bit of conflict between the um, the styles? Like, would you like, let's say, the the traditional set dancing to the like the eight people step dancing out of battering? Where you, like, I think stuff like is it scraping? You wouldn't normally like would be frowned upon in in set dancing where i've seen some kind of funky moves in the battering style does that make any sense uh come say come again <laughs> well I was, I, I, yeah well it, i was wondering if there's any yeah. um is is there a conflict between the two styles is it kind of a purist from the well, from the set dancing that would look at that style and go well you shouldn't be you shouldn't be scraping yeah. or you shouldn't be no i don't doing think i don't think people look too closely at it like that um like we haven't mentioned shano's dancing and that's there as well as a percussive solo style that's my next question yeah percussive solo style and i i never learned any shano's dancing but a lot of people would say might might think that i'm a shano's dancer because i like what i would say i do is a mix between step dancing and the battering but I don't bother crossing my feet anymore or holding my arms in like you do in step dancing just because it's simply uncomfortable. So I try, I just, I, I try to make it more, I'm just more relaxed now so that I can dance for longer. So it's kind of the feet are more side by side and that's, you'll see that in Shannos dancing. So people might think that what I do is Shannos dancing, but in Shannos dancing, they have more steps laid out. Like they'd have four bars or eight bars of a repeat or, you know, it'll be a step made out um that you will do to whatever tune is being played or or you can that that's kind of the modern step dancing that you will get nowadays at at comp at Shano's sorry the modern Shano's dancing that you'll get nowadays at Shano's dancing competitions um yeah not sure if that answers your right, question I, yeah yeah well I think Dom you're probably going to ask the same kind of thing like what what is the difference and I suppose to the untrained eye it's going to be hard to tell right it is kind of hard to tell if you're not a dancer. Um, the, mm-hmm. like, well, step dancing is obvious because we, we all know what that looks like. It's the river dance. It's feet crossed, arms in. Um, yeah. Set dancing, you're in a set. So that's on its own as well. Shano's dancing is kind of, it's, it's, um, it's percussive and your feet are side by side. So it's similar to step dancing, but your feet are side by side and it doesn't get as intricate. Um, I don't know mm-hmm. if I'm explaining this very well or if I really have the authority to explain it very well because there are people that are, would explain this a, a lot better. Uh, what, I, what I found intriguing was like I really got a sense of like the, particularly from the, the Moloch half step you sent me was like I, I'm probably so way off but it's what I felt anyway. It was like watching a type of Lindy Hop. I had so much more mm. fluidity in it than what I was expecting or what when I think of set dancing it, it had so much more swagger I think is another word uh-huh. that than what I was expecting yeah anyway I think I've probably 
done my dash with asking the questions about the difference between battering and set dancing. <laughs> I think what we have to do is um, uh, we have to get you to do some kind of um, explanatory video. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm keen to do a full episode purely on dance because I, I think that it, it can be done, I reckon. Mm. Yeah. Um, would you fancy a, a, a tune? Okay. Right. Uh, the one, the first one is Lee Side Sessions. Second one is The Real with the Barrel. And the third one is Come West Along the Road. Thank you. 
Hello. Hello. <laughs> Great. Uh, we, I didn't ask you, or we should ask you, about um, your husband, Kieran. Uh, Kieran Omoini, is it? Omoini, yeah. Omoini. Uh, <laughs> so he's from Guido. How, how did you guys meet? Uh, well, we. I just, well, we just met through the music scene, really. <coughs> Sorry, I'm eating digestive biscuits here and one has gotten caught in my throat. Oh, the driest of biscuits. <laughs> it was there. It was a tickle the whole way through that set of cheese. I was nearly going to stop. <laughs> um, we just met. They're our sponsor. They're your <laughs> McVitie's. <laughs> yeah. Uh, myself and Kieran just met through the music scene. We would have been going around to the festivals all at the same time and having the crack with, you know, lots of mutual friends. So um, you'd be passing each other a lot and you, you eventually those those music festivals and flaws are um, they're it's, they're good crack when you're 16, 17, 18, <laughs> 19 and you're just getting your first sense yeah. of freedom. <laughs> As you said, how do you get people to be interested in it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have other reasons <laughs> exactly. to go home and practice. Well, that's yeah. it. Kieran went to his first uh, Milton Malvey, the Willie Clancy week, when he was fourteen, I think. And uh, like yeah. he was, he'd been playing a few years. His granda Francie um, d- d- was the fiddle teacher in this area here, so he 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 was playing plenty. You know, Kieran was playing, but he went to. Milltown and he realised sitting in on the sessions that he didn't know enough tunes. He didn't really know enough tunes to sit in and he could see all the young girls and the young guys in the session and he won. So he went home to Francie after that first year with a list. I need to learn the Tarbolton three and I need to <laughs> and he went to, with a list of tunes that he needed to have for the <laughs> so he he had them all for the next year and he was able to sit in and then he really started enjoying himself and having the crack. I just um, had a flash in my head of what what Tinder must be like for the the young set, and it must have like the, the your repertoire underneath. You're like, oh my god, would you look at her repertoire? Oh my goodness, <laughs> she's so out of my league. <laughs> Swipe right. Six, Sixteen year old Irish music snobs <laughs> with all their tunes. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I, I'm, 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 I know you're. Not the one to ask, but you're the one closest, so I will. Does uh, does Kieran have a bit like a distinctive Donegal style? Yeah, well, he would argue that there is no such thing as one Donegal style because it's such a big county. And I mentioned yeah. earlier the southwest uh, pocket there, like where we are here now is Guidor, and like he grew up with his grandfather Francie, who was a uh, by all accounts, I never got the honour to meet him, but um, great fiddle player, fiddle teacher, singer, songwriter and translator of songs into the Gaelic language. And he, he also wrote dramas and acted as part of Ashtori Guidor here, the actors group. Um, and and a lot of those songs that he... What's his name? Francie Mooney, Pruncius Omwaini, Francie Mooney. Um, one of his... Uh, like uh, you know, Maraid, his daughter is, uh, you know, Maraid Niwini and of Alton, and they're playing uh, and singing some of his songs, you know, all over the world with Alton uh, ever since. But um, uh, what was the question? Tune. I was asking about style. Style. Oh yeah. Well, so yeah, uh, there's he would have a distinctive. You'd kind of know he was from up here. You would definitely know he's from up here anyway because the uh, the Donegal if you want to put a bracket umbrella term style of fiddle playing like he would argue against that but um 
in a similarities to maybe some Scottish, the, the Boeing especially. Um, the mm. <coughs> like they, they play Highlands up here, which are similar to Strathspeys that you would have in Scotland. So he would definitely have that. You would know he's from this neck of the woods, this part of the country. You would have that style of Boeing and... Um, yeah, but he also he has the the regular Irish repertoire as well. He has all the the same tunes I grew up playing. He he is he is a really exceptional fiddle player. If you haven't heard him, you should look him up. <laughs> I've I've heard the bits that I've listened to on. So you've got we've well, got one album, the two of you together, and then you have one. Kieran's in the high seas. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you got um, Cashing and Kieran, and then the other album is the high seas. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Um, when you. Kathleen, when you went to um, record your solo album, um, was that an easy process for you? Um, was it an easy process? I wouldn't say it was easy. I just I decided I wanted to do it because I I was twenty four or something like that, and I had been touring. Um, I'd been doing a good few gigs abroad in in Italy and in America and other places and I, I didn't have anything to sell at these gigs and people would ask you do you have a, a do you have a CD but I would be selling maybe someone else I'd be selling the band say like I played I play with a band in in Italy and I might be selling their CD as part of it but I I said it could be great if I had my own CD I could be selling that here as well like I was in college and any extra bit of money you'd be delighted with so that it, I, I I wanted to I never felt ready you it's it is a big step to do a solo album and I, I never felt ready before then I knew you have this is going to be out there forever like you have to make sure you're happy with it and thank god I am happy with it um because it's not like you can take it back after it's out there I released it in 2012 and um yeah it's still selling well it's um but it's, it sounds like it's it's like it's like um, making a radio program or having kids. You, know? <laughs> you can't send them you're, back. You're, you're, well, you're never quite ready, and, and then you just have to. Do oh it. yeah, yeah, yeah. You just have to let you know it I mean? let it out. But yeah, I I was very lucky in that I had an unbelievably talented accompanist with me, Kevin O'Farrell. He he plays guitar, but he also plays pipes and flute. Um, and he backed me on guitar on the on the album and we just sat together. I didn't want one of these where we were separated or I couldn't see him or feel him. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be, us to be sitting together. I didn't want to record first and him record after me. I needed the reassurance. I needed the backup of him there. And he's just so good. So I, I relaxed. And the sound engineer, we went up to my friend Jack Talty's studio and Lissy Casey and, and Claire to record it. And and he's a concertina player and he's a friend of ours. So, you know, everything, the all the right ingredients were there. Everyone was there relaxed. And um, like it took a few, it takes a few months up. Like I was living in Cork, I was in college. So up and down the road a bit. But um, uh, yeah, I just wanted it to be, I wanted it to be lively. I wanted it to be happy. I want, um, I wanted it to make people feel like dancing. You know, that's kind of what I grew up with. So that was, but yeah, I just, um. Called it Cotchleen. I'm brutal for naming things. Like that's called Cotchleen. Our duet album is called Cotchleen and Kieran. <laughs> well, it's easy to know what you're getting. I know. Like I'm terrible for naming tunes. Any of my tunes that I've written or CDs, <laughs> brutal. I'm better just coming up with the notes, not the words. <laughs> isn't there? Isn't there some kind of recipe for naming Irish tunes? You know, 
like um, somebody's name and yeah, I don't or know, the humours of a weather, weather, a weather feature, yeah. something like you know, the humours of Melbourne or Rainy Brendan. <laughs> <laughs> so the the other big um, project you've been working on is your online classes. So you, yeah. you've been doing online classes for quite a while, right? Yeah. So oh, you. you can you tell me a bit about that? Well, <clears throat> I mentioned that we moved up here in 2018 and the we had been touring flat out up until then. So it was all it was all gigs and teaching and gigs and teaching wherever we were and we were, whether we were in Australia or in America or Scotland or anywhere. Um and then people would whenever I would be home for little breaks, I'd be home for a few weeks, I would set up some classes. So we were living in Dublin at this time. So I used to do like three days where I'd set up back to back classes. Like there was one day I, a week I'd, I'd teach from 12 till nine and another day from three till nine and that kind of thing. So I was just and there, so I knew there was a demand for people wanted to learn. Um, and then there was also demand for online lessons for all the people around the world who don't have access to a teacher so when we moved up here the reason we moved up here is um Kieran works in tv he makes tv programs for tg Cahar, irish music tv programs for tg Cahar. so if you've seen any of the shame Aleich programs or cork folk fest oh, or yeah. temple bar trad fest that he he works on them he makes those programs so his uh, he got offered that job and the office is in guidor conveniently enough because <laughs> this is where he's from right. and so that's what got us eventually to decide we were going to move up here and we were married three or four years at this stage and okay right so we want to you know start a family so we were lucky that Frankie and Rosie came along in December that year when I so I moved up here in January and the babies were born in December and it was kind of like a a, mo- a turn but before the the babies were born I was like well what am I going to do now I'm going to be living in Guidor and we're not touring anymore and that's my that's my job I was managing our tours I was setting up the tours so I had to just get creative and think, what am I going to do? I still want to be a musician. Um, I can't tour anymore. So what is it going to be? Um, I am a qualified secondary school music and Irish teacher. I did that. I did that course, um, but I, I didn't want to go down that road if I could help it. So I set up irishconcertinalessons.com that year that I was pregnant, 2018, that I moved up here. And I just started it with a beginner course. So I wanted it to be a complete resource for people who want to learn the concertina. And so the first lesson in that beginner, the starter course, is how to hold the concertina. And the second lesson is the D scale. And the third lesson is the G scale. So they're all pre-recorded lessons. So I, I got, I hired in cameras, uh, cameras and sound and lighting here. And I recorded all the lessons over the course of a few months for that starter course that first year. And I launched it then in the September 2018, that starter course, and it just has grown and grown and grown steadily ever since. And I can't really believe that there are so many people interested around the world in learning the concertina. Mm. Like, um, 
it, it's it, they, the people who have who are on the website who subscribe to the lessons can contact me at any time if they have a question so there is that point of contact they have that connection with me I don't evaluate their playing or anything but if they're getting stuck at all they can they can contact me and I help them along um so I did the starter course the first year and then the following year 2019 I launched the intermediate course so each course has about 35 lessons in it so it's meant to it's they progress you progress along you start at the first one and and they get progressively harder as you go along and like the intermediate course brings in ornamentation and harder uh, tunes and that and then just two weeks ago <laughs> there I launched the advanced course which has the same number of lessons in it again so um, in the advanced course obviously the tunes get a lot harder different keys you're learning new buttons chords I kind of throw everything into the advanced course so it's designed so that you'll start at the start of the starter course and you'll make your way through the starter course when you get to the end of the starter course then you're ready for the improver course which is the intermediate course so it's three three courses up there now and when you subscribe to the website you have access to one course so you pick whichever which course you want if you think you're intermediate you go for the improver course mm-hmm. if you think you're a beginner you know so you you sign up to one of them and and it's going really well it's in 26 countries which I still can't get my head around like Taiwan wow. there's someone in Taiwan on it can you believe that uh someone in the Ukraine signed up a couple of weeks ago um about half the, of the subscribers are in America and um it's going great <laughs> and did you enjoy putting that together because that sounds like a massive well it is undertaking to sort yeah. of structure all that to structure you know? the, there's a lot of goes into the planning and making sure that i am covering everything in the few lessons so 35 lessons sounds like a lot but if you think that's that's the full complete course now it's not meant to be 100% of your learning it's meant to kind of supplement you like I do advise people like still go to your concertina classes if you can if you have access to a teacher still go to your sessions learn tunes this is helping you along um I I spent a lot of time selecting the right tunes that I know there's something to be learned in this tune so let's say in the in the advanced course there or the intermediate course I was looking for like high G sharp wouldn't come into a lot of tunes but it's a it's a new button right so so, and I wanted to show them the high so I'm looking I'm asking my friends can you give me any tunes you have with high G sharp with them you know and it's not that easy to think of but then I have one with high G sharp but it's not great for something else what is it Oh, I can't remember now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the, I found one that had low G sharp in it as well. So I'm like, great, I'll do that one because they're getting both new buttons, high G sharp. And so things like that. I wanted to cover like um, tunes in the key of A. The key of A isn't is the ha- is kind of hard enough on the concertina. Or this tune is great for introducing playing chords. Right, we'll do a few of them. And okay, this tune is great for mm-hmm. practicing your G rolls. Okay, I'll, I'll stick that in and I'll link it up to the other tune in this course. That's also good for practicing your g-rolls and get them to do those two back to back kind of thing so i want to help them um cover all the all the problems that they might come up against when they're learning tunes elsewhere so that they'll know how to overcome those those obstacles it's a very um i mean it it is a really like i I just had my image in my head there of um your dad playing in a, on a windowsill <laughs> or a doorway and you sitting down on the ground, right? And the, the, the image I have actually is uh, of, you know, the, the sort of transient nature of when, when you're playing in the street and people are passing, right? Yeah. So you have this kind of continual 
sort of transient nature of, of people. And then I think about you doing this and this being sort of projected outwards into the world. Mm. It's kind of amazing, really. It's a well, I did really mind expanding <laughs> idea. You know what I mean? I, I did grow up with, uh, with the advice of don't make music your job. <laughs> um so yeah i've kind of gone the opposite direction there than my dad because he was afraid that people who make it their job it takes the enjoyment out of it for them but geez i still love especially now because we can't go to the pubs to play i still love going down to hudy's here for the session there's nothing like it sitting beside kieran and having our friends We've you know, those great musicians living around here and playing a session together. There's two sessions a week in in Hughes here on Mondays and Fridays, and I just you know, you love that that energy you get in a mm-hmm. session. Um, but so it hasn't taken the enjoyment out of it for me, and I'm delighted that I'm like I love. Um, I've always kind of worked by myself. I've never really had a normal job. Like I did college, I did river dance, and I. I, I managed myself and Kieran at all our tours and set up those tours wherever we were going. So that that's always been my job. And I just, I kind of like working by myself. I think I'm a bit of a, a bossy bitch if I can use my French. So I'm better <laughs> working by myself than with someone else. Because <laughs> myself and Kieran were working together for a few years when we were setting up the tours and it's better that we don't work together. I think we have a much happier marriage. <laughs> Oh, that's a very interesting. Um, that's that's a very interesting insight. To have. Yeah, but I'm so happy that you can you've got it to 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 be sitting in a place where you're making it work. So definitely make sure you send us a photo of your view. Make us yeah. jealous. Uh-huh. It's nice to I, know. I, just just one other thing before we have a last tune. I just um, I, I'm really interested. Like very early on, you talked about feeling settled. Do you do you feel quite settled then? Because that's a lovely feeling to have. In, in Guidor here. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. You know? And and in a and in a bigger sense, just well, you know. Yeah. Well, I I feel really really fortunate, really lucky to be in this situation that I can work my own hours, um, because the a lot of the work that's involved with the the website is front loaded. So when I'm putting together a new course, like I launched the advanced course two weeks ago, and for the four weeks up until then my family base more or less didn't see me it's just like as if you have your finals in college and you next week and you just realize that you haven't studied at all and you just have to lock yourself away <laughs> and say I'll talk to you in a week or I'll talk to you in a month or whatever yeah. and it takes me about a month to finalize to put put pull the course together I I really want I'm not going to let it out you know people <laughs> some of them will be saying sure Kashi, just like launch it as it is and you can tweak it you can fix it after no not doing that no I'm launching it and it's done it's like I ha- I'm not going to let anything out unless it's up to the standards of the previous courses like I didn't want to it has to be right you know and I kind of detrimental that I'd be uh working around the clock then to make sure that it's that it, I'm happy enough with it that it's good enough um but I feel really fortunate that then once the course is launched that the work after that I can do in my own time and because I have one-year-old twins and I want to have them and um do you know I want to be able to go down to my parents that I'm not tied to a nine to five that I can't I want to go down and so sometimes I mentioned Kieran works in TV so sometimes he has to do a shoot so maybe average a week out of every month he would be down the country shooting a new documentary if uh, a new program so usually 
myself and Frankie and Rosie pack up and we go down to mom and dad for that week. And I just love that time freedom, that flexibility that um, that I can do that. And it, when you're when you if you're referring to just Guidor here, um, like it is very far away from home. But to be honest, since COVID-19 and the lockdown, I really appreciate where I am and all that this place has to offer for Frankie and Rosie growing up like the beach is a mile away and so we, we can go there anytime obviously and uh, and just uh, it's funny because the lockdown had um was very hard on a lot of people but I it made me mm-hmm. appreciate because I couldn't leave here we could because we're used to going doing gigs every weekend like we'd be on the road constantly so coming back here was just kind of to get the clothes washed to go again like but having to sit here for three or four months whatever it was there earlier in the year and not being allowed to move having to stay still having to stay here um it really made me appreciate it and I remember the first driving back up here I went down home for a week after three or four months I've been here after lockdown. I went down home to mom and dad for a week and I was driving back up here. And as I was coming closer, I was thinking the thought just entered my mind. Jeez, it's not such a bad place after all. <laughs> so it. the lockdown has done that, thankfully. It's it's funny you've said that because I was having that conversation with my wife tonight about um, um, just the, in a way we, we've both become less sociable (laughs) (laughs) we've been forced to obviously out of necessity not to be socializing but then we have actually really and obviously we're a lot more fortunate than a lot of people but we have actually really loved the chance to be forced into really focusing on us as a family Mm. you know what i mean the four of us and being darren have you had a similar experience you know that yeah, well, now I, I got to spend through. Well, I don't know how long this pandemic is nine months, whatever, but four almost four months of it, three months anyway, I was living with my parents as well. So I had a, I had that times living with my folks. It was, it's been great. I, I, I feel like such an idiot every time I think like that because I know so many people have gone through such hard times. But with that said, with that said, yeah, completely yeah. understood. Yeah, well. Uh, Cashley, do you think we could have another another tune okay. to finish? Yeah. Thank you so much for all your time. Not at all. Let me see. I'm going to play a set dance, actually. Um, Planksy Davis. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, I really like playing this recently. So, will I go for it? Yeah, okay. absolutely. Thank okay. you so much. It's, it's just a, absolutely brilliant to have a chance to chat to you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. No, I've I've really enjoyed I've really enjoyed the chat myself. It's 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 uh it's been really nice and relaxed. So I've no idea what I talked about, but <laughs> I hope it'll turn out all right Good in the end. You. Okay, <laughs> here's Planksy Davis.
brilliant phenomenal play i have that first set of tunes that's um that's going in our smash hits it's <laughs> going like we have um coming up at the end of the year as we did last year we're going to have a compendium of um tunes and and songs from the episodes throughout the year and it's actually really i've already started looking through and singing it's the only chance me and how do you take a week off we take the two weeks off over christmas so the this is the smash hits and so i've already started putting it together and it's incredibly difficult obviously because everything in it i mean there's there's just so much great stuff Mm -hmm. so anyway that first set lovely cracking cracking crackling it's crackling crackling uh, as I mentioned at the top, all the links to anything we mentioned in there and some extra ones, some of the kind of the choice picks that I found on my rabbit hole deep dive, I'll put in the show notes uh, along with all the links to Kotchelin's music and the um, concertina uh, lessons and workshops that Kotchelin does and her amazing YouTube channel as well. So there's just there's a wealth of things to be getting into when we finish here. Yeah. The last thing I think you should also get into is patreon so listen thanks to again the, the new people that have come across in the last week brilliant lovely having you you are the people that make this thing happen we're, we're so so grateful honestly um if you think this is the week that you're going to become a patron and get your little halo sent out in the virtual post please head over to patreon.com forward slash Blarney Pilgrims um, it really means a lot to myself and Dom that we can rock up and not have to put our hand in our pocket anymore and we don't need to have ads, no ads in the middle no of the ads, yeah. episode to, to pay so for it. currently we're on around the 7% mark for 7% of the people who listen are patrons and so we'd love that to get up to somewhere around 20 that would really help us make this sustainable in the long term as you know if you've been listening um, for this long yeah you'd be familiar with the the dynamics of the um the process so yep patreon.com forward slash blarney pilgrims and we'll see you there right that was a great episode that was awesome thank you you so much kathleen and we'll see you next week bye please give dominic and darren twenty-five thousand eight hundred and eighty-five stars thank you